0: Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith.
1: How many have tried to change their spouse? How many have been successful? <laughs> All right, nobody's raising their heads. There. You can't hardly change yourself. You're not going to change your spouse. And what Peter is getting at is this. Let God do the work. Concentrate on having a beautiful spirit before God.
0: Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our The discussion of a wife living in submission to her husband can cause some controversy in today's society. But Pastor Ed explains the cutting-edge style of the writings in the passage and reminds us of the hierarchy that existed between men and women of the day. He describes a wife's submission as one who comes under protection, which ultimately results in a feeling of security. Jesus became a perfect representation of submission and meekness as he surrendered his will to the Father. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith.
1: Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Reading from the NIV. Wives, in the same way be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should come from not come from the outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their husbands. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters. If you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, as I read the text, you notice something, right? Six verses Peter spends in speaking to the women. One verse to the men. Why is that? Well, I think the answer is simple. Women enjoy a good conversation. (laughs) And men want it in bullet form. How many of you have struggled with your children when they were learning to drive? I could see the looks, yeah, the eyes. were I remember Ryan and Missy. I mean, going in the car with them, and I became anxious. And I... Now, slow down, you don't have to drive as fast. Uh, don't worry, we'll get there. And when they got their license, oh, I don't know. Both of my children had heavy, heavy foot on the gas. But they spent time... In preparing to drive, they studied the manual, they went for driving lessons, they drove me crazy. I mean, it took a lot of time. Why is it that we very often spend more time preparing to get our driver's license than our marriage license? It's harder to have a good marriage than it is to be a good driver. I've been pastoring for, I guess, 37, 38 years now. I've performed a lot of marriages. And I have done a lot of marriage counseling. And I have yet to see a perfect marriage. In all those years, I have not met a perfect couple. Because when you put an imperfect man and an imperfect woman together you don't suddenly find perfection. Now, she may feel that she is marrying Prince Charming and find out that she's kissing a frog. (laughs) He may feel like he is marrying an angel and then in the house she's harping about everything. We all have imperfections. And to have a good marriage takes a lot of work. It's hard work. I think about a quote that I read when love and skill work together, expect a masterpiece. You'll never have perfection, but you can have a good marriage. You'll never have a perfect marriage. But you can have a really great marriage. Now Peter is going to give some basic principles to help build a strong marriage. Now he's going to speak first to the women. And he's going to speak about what it takes for a woman to really fulfill her role. And he's not all inclusive of all the things that are to be said about marriage, but he talks about the wife's responsibility in the marriage. The wife's responsibility to her marriage. Notice the very first thing she said, or rather that Peter said, and I saw the men nodding their wives and edging their wives and saying, come on, listen, listen. What should women do? The wife's submission to the husband's leadership. All right. Why is it so quiet? (laughs) Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Now, what does he mean by submission? Well, he's following his thought in the previous chapter where it tells us that we're to submit to government authorities, we're to submit to those over us. And notice what the text says. Submit to who? Not to men in general, but to your husband. doesn't mean that women just submit to men. It does mean that in the institution of marriage, God has so arranged the authority that the husband is in the place of headship. doesn't mean he's a dictator. It's more like the chairperson of a board. When there's an impasse, his vote is cast. And he's going to help at those junctures. It has reference to coming under his protection. The idea of submission here is the idea of submitting in a way that you recognize that the husband is going to present good leadership to help her. And she's going to feel secure in that leadership. What was happening will help understand the context. In the time that Peter was writing, he's writing to the churches in Asia Minor and what we call Turkey now, women had very few rights. In fact, if a woman left the religion of her husband, he could have her executed. Women were considered more the property of their husbands. Peter is revolutionary in what he's saying. I mean, he is really going counterculture in what he is saying. And you're going to see that what Peter is speaking about is really protecting wives. And even in the Old Testament, when it talks about divorce, God had that in mind to protect women. What he's saying at this point is this women were getting saved more readily than men. And oftentimes, oftentimes, it's a woman who comes to Christ before her husband. There's a good, good number of women who were saved prior to their husband. And many of them influenced their husband into the kingdom. And what Peter is saying is recognize that you have a role. Notice what the text says. Look very carefully. If any of them do not believe, in other words, they're married to an unbeliever in this case, they will be won over, how? Without words by the behavior of their wives. What Peter was concerned about is when a woman was saved, that she didn't become preachy. And she didn't begin lecturing her husband. He was saying, no, no. Win your husband by the way you live, by the way you walk. Let your gospel incarnate through your life. Put it this way. Don't go through the ear gate. Go through the eye gate. Let your husband see the godly life that you live And that will draw him to God. It says, they will see the purity and reverence of your lives. So his idea of submission is this idea that there is going to be this attitude of recognizing the husband's leadership. It doesn't mean that she becomes a welcome mat. That's not what the Bible is saying. It doesn't mean the husband's a dictator in the home. The Bible's not saying that. And you see that clearly in verse 7. And we'll come back to that when we talk about the man's role. But as we're looking at the text, it's saying that women do have a responsibility to submit to their wives. Doesn't it say that? Women have that responsibility in recognizing the headship of their husbands. And their lives can really make a difference in their lives. I remember Midge Rogers, a beautiful Christian woman back in the Wilmington Church. Her husband was older than she was by about 20 years, so it was a real distance in age at that time. And her husband really didn't want to come to church, didn't want to be involved with the things of God. But Midge lived the life before him. And Midge stuck out some very difficult situations I had Newell's funeral. He was about 92 years old when he died. And his wife, Midge, led him to the Lord before he died. He's in heaven because of her. Her willingness to patiently pray, to patiently believe, to just trust God that he would come to the Lord. When Pastor Lou would give his testimony, he would tell how Tony, his wife, was saved first. And Lou was a hard drinker. He was a police officer. And uh, he wasn't too keen on going to church at all. And Tony just prayed for him. Now, Lou would wake up in the morning and he thought he was sick. He thought something was wrong with him. Because he would feel some wet substance on his head and it was greasy. And he thought he had some type of tropical disease. Well, at night, Tony would anoint it with oil and just pray over him. Well, you got to pray your husbands into the kingdom and you got to live the life and God will speak to their hearts. He'll convict them. And sometimes it takes a lot of patience. Don't beat yourself up, ladies. But focus on living the life. A wife's godly conduct is the most influential power it's more powerful than any sermon she could ever preach to her husband so he talks about this submission and in a culture where women were not valued as they are today but the concept of headship still belongs in our culture it doesn't mean that he is a dictator, but it does mean she recognizes his leadership, and he is like that chirp person of the board. He goes on to talk about her relationship with God. As I read the verses and on, as I pondered the scripture, I thought, why all of a sudden does it just go right to God here in the middle of the text? He's talking about her relationship to her husband. And then all of a sudden he talks about her relationship to God. The wife's inward beauty before God in verse 3. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold, jewelry, and fine clothes. Let me just stop and pause. Peter is not saying women can't have their hair done or can't wear makeup or can't have jewelry. That's not the point that he's making. The point that he is making is don't put your whole focus on that. Put your focus on an inward beauty. If you go on and read in the text, instead it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. When it says gentle and quiet, Jesus was, the idea of being meek. Jesus was meek. That's power under control. Someone who was under the control of the spirit So, when it's talking about women, it's talking about a woman who's going to walk like Jesus walked. That's her model. She's going to be like Christ. Then the text says this You will be of great worth in God's sight. Remember, God is at work in your marriage. How many have tried to change their spouse? How many have been successful? All right. Nobody's raising their heads there. You can't hardly change yourself. You're not going to change your spouse. And what Peter is getting at is this. Let God do the work. Concentrate on having a beautiful spirit before God. Now, women are under incredible pressure, and men too, in our culture. I mean, you look at the television, television. And Miss Universe and Miss America, on and on it goes, Miss America. And you see these perfect models who are strikingly beautiful. And you could compare yourself, women, with those ladies. Or men look at that and say, Well, that's the way my wife should be. Guys, did you look at yourself? <laughs> but we live in that culture that put such a premium on outward physical appearance. And they want you to be perpetually young, so more and more people going for cosmetic surgery, plastic surgery, more and more people just so consumed with perpetually looking like they're 20 years old. And what Peter is saying speaks really to our culture today. Be concerned about an inward beauty. When you look at people that you know, you see beyond the outward appearance and you see them for who they are. Their character, their person. That's what you wind up seeing. I was at Care Nut Banquet. It was a great banquet. Deb talked about one of the families that attend our church and, uh, and they shared about Carmen and Terrence when they had their first child, David. When... Carmen was carrying David, they realized something was wrong with his brain. And when he was born, it was worse than they thought. And there was a simple procedure that they used to keep... He had other problems, other complications. It was a simple procedure that they could use to keep him alive. And they used it as a common procedure. And the doctors asked Carmen... Uh, do you want us to do this procedure? We don't have to do it, and your son will just die over time. And she said, um, I can't do that. God is a giver and taker of life, and, and uh, even if it means it's going to be difficult on us, I want to do all I can. And it was difficult, and it is difficult. He's 21 years old today and doesn't live at home and they have to take care of him and they go in and see him and doesn't always recognize him, can't always express his feelings. And some people said, boy, isn't that something? Why does that happen to you? Why did that happen to you? She said, the real question is, why not? Why why not happen to me? Christians experienced trials just as much as non-Christians. Terrence went on to talk about his wife with me. And he said, you know, every time the kids come home or I come home and we want to share a little bit of gossip we heard that day, share a morsel at the table of something that we heard, Carmen stops us. And she says, wait, you're not going to talk like that. You're not going to gossip in the house. Her children... Her husband sees her through the eyes of experience. And they see an inner beauty that she has. I've had women say to me, I want my husband to see me. And they're beautiful women. I want my husband to see me, not for my outward beauty, but for my inward beauty. That inner character. And that's what God is looking for in his daughters, an inner beauty that he sees in them. And Peter's saying that type of beauty will never fade away with the passing of youth and the onset of age and as the decades go by, when you see a mother in the faith, a grandmother in the faith, you see her as a woman of God. And Peter is making the point there. He goes on and he picks an Old Testament character as an example that we are to follow, that women are to follow. At first, I pondered and said, why did he choose Sarah? In verses 5 to 6. Now, before I go there, I just want success in marriage is more than finding the right person. It is a matter of being the right person. That's what Peter is getting at. Becoming the person that God wants you to be. That's that inner character. He goes on and he illustrates what this is all about. He talks about Sarah and Abraham. Now Abraham was the great father of the faithful. He's a great man of faith. We know him for that. He's talked about in the book of Hebrews. And of course Genesis uh, spent so much time talking about Abraham. But also about Sarah. And he uses Sarah as an illustration. I want to read the context and look at it very carefully. A lot of times people, when they read the Bible, they don't understand the context, and they could come up with crazy interpretations. I've seen husbands use Scripture that beat their wife into submission when it's really not referring to that you got to understand the context you got to understand what peter meant to that first century believer you got to understand all of that and then you understand what god is saying in the 21st century but in verses 5 and 6 for this is the way holy women of the past who put their hope in god used to make themselves beautiful see he's going back to that inner beauty that we're talking about and then he's going back to the previous verses. They were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. Now guys, don't go home and ask your wife to call you master. <laughs> what he's saying here is this. You are daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Here's what the text means. Here's what it's referring to. Think about Abraham. Ladies, you live in the Earl of Chaldeas. It's a beautiful town. It's the most progressive. They have running water. They have buildings. And your husband, Abraham, comes home. Sarah, we're moving. Okay, Abraham. When and, and, and where and um, how long is it going to take and, and what is it like? You know, women are detailed, you know, guys? Abraham's reply, I don't know. God told me we're going.
0: We hope you've been blessed by the teaching of Dr. Edward Jones in the book of 1 Peter and invite you to join us again. In the meantime, we'd love to keep in touch with you. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. We're here to join you in prayer for whatever is going on in your life or to answer any questions you may have about how you could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That phone number again is 845-462-5955. Be sure to check out our website as well at buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find messages from previous series available to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Get to know the wonderful people behind Building in Faith and learn what we believe as a church and desire to share with everyone who listens. We know that God is using the Building in Faith radio ministry to spread the good news of the gospel, but we encourage you to not let this be your only source of spiritual guidance. Reading the Bible, prayer, and fellowship with other believers are all encouraged in God's Word and are extremely beneficial to anyone who wishes to grow closer to God. If you are in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and don't have a church family, we welcome you to join us here at Faith Assembly. For location information, service times, and a calendar of other great upcoming events, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again next time right here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Your and Everybody wins when a leader gets better absolutely everyone the stakes of leadership are sky high everyone has influence come to the global leadership summit on august 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community the summit features leaders like bill hybels cheryl sandberg andy stanley and more experience the summit at faith assembly casperkill campus poughkeepsie august 10 and 11 register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit